Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Spellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona. And, and the, the world, world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweeds Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at tumbleweedhealthcenter.com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. All right, welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. We have to be our own sound effects today. <laughs> update, those darn updates. We get every single time. I know you don't update much, and that's probably the best thing to do. Don't update. Just don't do it. <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about it. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. Woo-hoo. September 13th. I know you're all dying to know. For the best tea. For the bestie, how many days until Christmas? Oh, Lord. 103 days. Ooh, just saw the anxiety level rise over there in Silver Sister. Oh, 103 days until Christmas. That's it. 104 days until it's over. What up? <laughs> Her dad and I used to say it all the time. She'd count down to Christmas and we'd count down to the next day. <laughs> 104 days till it's over. Oh, that's great. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, folks. Thanks for tuning in. September 13th. I can't even believe it. That's cray cray. September 13th. Dang. This year just went poof. Poof off. <laughs> I'm going to put that down for a minute. Oh. All right, well, welcome to Weed Say Wednesday, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. September 13th, uh, it's a kind of, well, now it's sunny. Yesterday it was all cloudy and rainy, and now it's, it's blue sky. But that's the desert for you. Probably 10 minutes, will probably storm, and we'll flood out <laughs> for 10 minutes. All right, how's everybody doing out there? Bell Star here, Silver Sister, Cannabis Kids, out there in the world being Cannabis Kids. And um, we are grateful to be here. We have a special guest today coming on in just, uh, just a few minutes here, Leslie Box, 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 Bosker. Bosker? I hope I'm saying that right. Sorry, my apologies, Leslie, if I am not. Um, we're going to have Leslie on the show. We're going to talk about a lot of different fascinating things that Leslie is up to. But first of all, I want to give a shout out to Tumbleweed Tell Center, 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come down, get certified, uh, have a consultation if you don't know what you want to do if you don't want to get if you don't know that you want to get certified and you just want to chat about your medications or uh, anything going on uh, with cannabis or hemp 
uh, in your life. Because some people like to start out with temp, and they just like to go into it kind of slowly. Um, but I'm going to talk to Leslie about all these Delta things. What is it? Delta 11 now? Is that what you know? What, what were you saying? Delta 11? THCJD oh, for Jack Daniels. Is it soaked in Jack Daniels? Is that what's going on? All right. I like it. That would be a nice rub, you know. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, they make like whiskey. Look at absinthe and black candles. Why not, you know, JD, JD weed, right? Uh, and if that's in the hemp world, that's a hemp thing? Wow, T-H-C-J-D. And do we know what it stands for? We don't know. There's too many now. I know. They're making it up every day. But there was a Delta 11 now, right? A Delta 13. So there's 7, 8, 9, 10. T-H-C-M. 11. Anyway, chat was listening to find out what he thinks about all this. Um, and, you know, my, my thought was just, Potentiate the whole plant, all the cannabinoids. Just raise it all up. Whoop, whoop. Amen. All right. Uh, thank you to Tumbleweed Health Center for hosting our show each, each and every week. Oh, 12 years. Ooh. Can't believe it. We're going on 12 years. November. 11, 11, 11. Did we disconnect? Are we still there? Can you hear me now? So far? So good? All right. Something. To, I think my phone disconnected for some reason. It's the update. Anywho, um, if you want to get certified and you want to know what you can get certified for, get on over to TumbleweedHealthCenter.com. Check out the certification section. Uh, PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, which covers a lot of symptoms and ailments. Uh, severe nausea, seizures, including epilepsy, HIV, hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's disease, cachexia or wasting syndrome. Severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. You're eligible for a cannabis card if you suffer from a chronic or debilitating disease or medical condition, or just the treatment for a chronic or debilitating disease or medical condition that causes any of the above conditions and more. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can email thctucson at gmail.com. Or you can just come on in and get certified Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down. We are getting a little busy these days, so you might want to book an appointment. Um, but you can just walk on in. We're available for you to do so. All right. Let's get to our uh, our guest for the show today. And um, I was checking out their website. Oh, hang on one second here. There we go. I got to I got to turn this down in my headphone here um, because I think I'm going to try to host this show through my phone just in case anything happens. Yeah, I know. Silver Sisters going. Are you seriously? Hold on. <laughs> Can you hear me now? 
Okay, now you can hear me. We're going to turn that one all the way down. Thank you very much. Um, all right. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Uh, Mr. Bosker is a world-recognized world industry thought leader in legal cannabis and is highly sought after by mainstream media, including Forbes, CNBC, The Wall Street Journal, and more. He formed Electrum Partners in 2014 and became the founding chairman of the Nevada Cannabis Industry Association. Right on. He's an active speaker at industry conferences, including the Arcview Group. Leslie began his career at Lehman Brothers and later went on to co-found Mason Cabot, a New York-based investment bank focused on emerging technologies and finance. In 2005, he served as managing partner with Lennox Hill. And now he has the new indoor harvest. And please welcome Leslie to our show. Greetings and salutations. It's a pleasure to be talking to you today. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. How are you? I'm fantastic. Excellent. Oh, well, it's really good to have you here. Thank you for uh, waiting patiently to come on the show. We did get a little mix-up, but we were really happy to have you here. And how badly did I botch your last name? <laughs> it, you know, it was pretty It was pretty close. It's, it's the, the correct pronunciation in Transylvania, which is where my family is from, is Botchkor, but in the U.S. it's pronounced either Botchkor or Boskor. Oh, okay. Excellent. So you were Transylvania, close. huh? I was close. Transylvania, uh, correct. Excellent, on many levels. And where are you in Nevada now? I am. I am in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it is. Uh, it was a big change for me being a, a native New Yorker. I came here in 2010, and I have not looked back. It was a great, a great change, and I'm, I'm, I really love it here. Yeah, it sounds like Vegas is the place to be. There's a lot going on there all the time. <laughs> there is, and now it, it, it seems there's a huge movement towards media. Uh, a company that I'm chairman of, Hewitt Technologies, has built a podcasting studio and is looking to put um, a potential soundstage here. Um, the, uh, Mark Wahlberg, I think, moved his family here and is moving a lot of his production here. There's talk about um, the state of Nevada potentially establishing a tax structure that would invite um, film and television production here. And, you know, we have an enormous amount of land. It's a beautiful state with some of the, you know, some incredible natural beauty and a lot of, um, and, and a really great environment for uh, film and television production. So I expect to see more of that. Plus the cannabis and hemp industry have been absolutely a huge boon to the state, bringing enormous amounts of tax revenue. We have some great farming area for hemp. And um, uh, we also, you know, Nevada is known as one of the best regulators for things that other people don't get involved in. And so we have established what is widely recognized <laughs> as the best regulatory framework in the world. That's awesome. Yes, 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 and yes to everything you said. <laughs> Let's get mm -hmm. some incentive for media. Uh, I dabble in a little action mm -hmm. myself, so I, I know about all these uh, no strikes kidding. and wars. And yeah, yeah, we'll have to chat. Yeah, I've done a I've done a few things, oh, but yeah, I great actually. Okay, right on, right on. I do mostly westerns. I'm an 1800s gal, so I do I do like to pack my pistols. And <laughs> oh no, right, oh, that's and, great. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Oh, it's so you must fun. love seeing Yellowstone in 1883 and. 1923, oh. and now the new yep. um, Lawman show that's coming out. I love that stuff. Yep. 
Yeah, I do too. They were absolutely great. And Dark Wind is really good if you haven't caught caught Wind. Uh, if you haven't caught caught that one, that's a really good one too. Um, anywho, Dark Wind. Dark that's Wind, Navajo. great. Yeah, Native American. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's get some incentives all over Arizona. You know, New Mexico's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, but yeah, let's let's spread the incentives around so we can get some some media and filming done in some 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 great places. Um, it sounds like you have done a little bit of darn near everything. How did you get into cannabis? You're very business businessy oriented. <laughs> so you know, it's a really it's the question has a very specific answer. So first off, I've been cannabis. Friendly. I started doing my research, it turns out, when I was 15 years old. Uh, the first time I ever smoked pot was at the school bus stop in uh, northwest New Jersey, where I was going to high school at the time. Um, and uh, I, uh, I remember teaching myself how to snap my fingers on both hands on the, on the bus, bus ride into school. It was like a 25, 30-minute bus ride. And so when I, when I was on another <laughs> podcast, one of the one of the, the um, scientists said, oh, yes, neuroplasticity, that, you, you know, that cannabis tends to open up neuroplasticity for learning. And so uh, huh. I, I started then, and then um, I'd been cannabis-friendly, you know, as a matter of fact, so much so that when I was 17 and my wife was 15, a couple years later, I met her by selling her pot. And that's how oh we God. met originally. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, the statute of limitations is is passed on that, so I can say it. Um, and uh, and uh, then when I went to work in finance, um, I you know I I I was the guy that didn't smoke, didn't drink, and you know was was super you know very monastic life when I worked in finance. But I always knew that the the prohibition of cannabis and other drugs, candidly, that prohibition was a terrible policy. And um, yeah. so when I was doing some research on the casino industry, and my wife and I decided to come out to Las Vegas, because if you're researching the casino industry, where do you go? You come out to Vegas. We came out here in 2008 and 2009 and spent a few months here doing research on the casino industry. We didn't have kids at the time. And so um, it turned out that warm, dry, and sunny was really appealing, and we decided to move here after being native New Yorkers our whole life. And... Uh, I'm candidly part of the reason, you know, being that today is just two days after 9-11. You know, we were both in New York City on 9-11. If you look at my Twitter feed, you'll see I posted a bunch of photos. She was down at Ground Zero on the 12th of September volunteering. And the PTSD from that really affected us as Native New Yorkers. And so part of the reason that we moved was that as well. We came out here, and I saw when I got to Nevada that there was like there was some form of legal cannabis in in the western part of the, the country that I had previously been almost completely unaware of, and I'd gone out to California and visited with friends who were going to dispensaries, and we um, I, I was I, it was a new it was a new world it was completely eye opening and I started to you know as an investment banker who looks at disruptive new markets. I was one of the first investment <laughs> bankers to focus on the Internet and new media in the mid to late 90s. Um, I saw that the size of the cannabis market and hemp market were just gargantuan. That in yeah. the black market in 2010 was 40, 
two to fifty billion a year, according to the United Nations and Rand Corp. Now, that same year for comparison, the total value of major league sports in the US was under thirty two billion a year. Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA and NHL together. So pot was bigger than huh. sports in America. Wow. That's and that really Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's it's not surprising, and yet it's sobering. It's such a massive yeah, thing. Yeah, that's so true. I've always believed believe that um, good regulatory environments, good business, is a great way to establish societal progress and change. And so I got very involved, as, as you mentioned, with ArcView, and which was the premier investor network for people to invest in the up-and-coming legal cannabis and hemp industries. And so um, the other thing that I did, as you, you, you mentioned, uh, I, I brought my sensibilities from the financial markets to the regulators so I could explain to them from my perspective, just, you know, just to be a good citizen, how a good regulatory framework will be good for them, will be good for the, the, you know, good for the state, good for the citizens. And so I got very involved in helping to try to bring business sensibility to the regulatory schema as they were being developed. Um, I was the founding chairman of the first ever chapter of the National Cannabis Industry Association, the Nevada Cannabis Industry Association, got very, very involved in policy. And then as a result, I ended up advising policymakers around the world, the Congressional Cannabis Caucus, the governors of a number of states here in the country, uh, the former um, and, and existing presidents and prime ministers around the world, um, and always for free, always, you know, just doing it to be a good citizen and to help them get access to good information to create good regulatory frameworks. And, and uh, that helped me sort of drive my path in business because I always ended up, you know, working with regulators, business people, and investors to try to establish the best paths for everybody in terms of navigating the business side of this and economic side of this, which I saw as a major driver towards good policy. Right. Well, it's how do you steer people driving business when the banking system still is not on the cannabis side? So you, uh, you know, <laughs> um, spot on. That's a great question. And it's, you know, it is, it unpacks a lot. So I'm going to try to, yeah. you know, give you short answers. The answer is <laughs> you're very limited as a business person in so many ways that no one that that most people are completely um, ignorant to unfortunately they when they get into the business the consequences of the banking issue are usually so far-reaching and so extreme and most people avoid understanding them and they just think that that means it's an increased safety risk which it obviously is something like 180 gunpoint robberies in the state of Washington in the last six months, according to one um, source. So the answer is how do you, you know, how do you deal with it? I mean, you just have to sort of, uh, you know, put on your entrepreneur's sort of um, armor and uh, be prepared to try to, um, you know, suffer through until such time as the federal government gets out of everybody's way to do what makes sense 
from a policy perspective to help make the citizens of the country and the, the business people safer and have a better environment. But right now you're really, it's a real, it's a real challenge. And the, the banking situation is, although there is banking, you can get banking, you, there are so many services that, you, that are still beyond your grasp as an entrepreneur in the cannabis and even in the hemp industry. It's still challenging, even though it's completely legal and it should, there should be no reason, the uh, disconnect right. between federal and state policy makes it very challenging. So the, the, answer, you, the short answer to your question is yeah. you have to sort of just figure it out. Dance around it. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, it you, well, you have to implement all yeah. sorts of new, you know, special, you know, unexpected methods and, 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 and manage the business in ways you never would expect to and work on getting access to capital in ways that are, you know, more expensive and, and deal with the challenges that come along, which are very intense. So the farm bill passed five years ago. Why do you think banking and, and like, you know, Clover and Square and some of these bigger, you know, POS systems are afraid to, to, to work with, you know, hemp sellers and retailers? Wow, man. Um, so, <laughs> that again, these are my friend Rick Cusick, the former associate editor of High Times always used to say these are artifacts of prohibition. Mm. And that is correct. And so the answer is you have to be patient. You have to be extra, extra resourceful. You have to be creative. And you have to be agile, nimble in how you do business to be able to adapt. And you're right. The farm bill makes hemp like legal as though it's, you're growing, you know, no different from growing strawberries. Wax. Yeah. Yeah, strawberries. It's just another crop. And it can be right. used for everything from making paper to making clothing to, you know, all sorts of different industrial uses. And, uh, and yet you still will find challenges at times because bankers get caught in this um, – Limbo, because of what I'm about to point out. Hemp is hemp when it's got less than 0.3% delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol. Not, and so let's be clear, as far as I understand the, the policy, it says delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, otherwise known as THC. Not delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinolic acid, which is what actually appears in the plant. But delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the, um, the decarboxylated compound. And so it's really just a policy mess because the federal government has made so many mistakes. Now, as a result, hemp is 0.3% or less THC. But what happens when you process that? when you put the plant into a supercritical extractor to try to get CBD extract, the THC level goes up. So technically speaking, at that point, it now becomes Schedule 1. It becomes marijuana, and it's illegal again. So as a result, the banks look at this and they say, wow, it's still sort of a fuzzy area, or what if the crop runs hot and tests at 0.35% THC or 0.5% THC? Now it's now it's no longer hemp. Now it's 
marijuana. And so as a result, there's still because there are still these these gray areas, and because the Schedule One um, classification is so draconian, they tend to still err. You know, bankers are not known for being tremendous sort of uh, progressives and risk takers. They're you know they're mm-hmm. very conservative, right. and so they sort of say, well, let's just wait, let's just wait. And then bankers and and what you were talking about, the merchant services, merchant mm-hmm. services are one of the big issues trying to get credit cards and be able to function like a normal business, very hard. And then think about this, um, equipment lease financing. It becomes mm-hmm. hard to get equipment lease financing, which is normally available to all sorts of businesses. Real estate right. financing. You know, who mm-hmm. is forced to buy their, their, their manufacturing facility buildings in cash? People in this industry are because they can't yeah. get financing from normal sources because those sources, because of the fuzziness around the federal law, say that it violates their charter and they can't extend the financing. So now you need to go find a family office or someone else who's a non, you know, an alternative, not, uh, an untraditional, non-traditional lender to try to come up with the capital for you to be able to get your facilities and your equipment, et cetera. So the answer is it's, you know, it's still a problem. And until the mm-hmm. federal government gets out of um, the way it will continue to present challenges. Now, knock on wood, there are ways to to navigate it. We at Indoor Harvest, we have no problem navigating the financial aspects of it. Our banking is in order. We don't touch THC. We're only in the hemp industry. And so as a result, we're able to do it, and we're able to even start getting more traditional financing and looking at a path to eventually be you know, listed on a national exchange that will make it even easier. But that's very difficult, and most people are – lacking my particular background and relationships that have made it easier for me. But it's still, for most people, it's an incredible problem. So you don't deal with any of these new Delta things, the 7, 8, 10, 11, whatever they are, these products that claim to have particular amounts of THC in them? So we work with people who do the research into Delta 9 HHC, Delta 10, um, uh, you know, um, the, the uh, naturally occurring Delta 8, um, THCV, tetrahydrocannabavarin, um, uh, uh, cannabavarin, which is just CBDV, THCV, and all of these minor cannabinoids because we're discovering that many of the minor cannabinoids have very significant effects from a therapeutic perspective on the human body. And Mm -hmm. so as a result, we're paying a lot of attention to those and working with organizations that are doing the research on them so that as long as they are cannabinoids that can be found in the hemp plant without violating the farm bill regulations, we are absolutely all about learning and finding those and looking for, um, you know, ways for those cannabinoids to be used by uh, people for their, you know, for health benefits. Like, you know, uh, cannabivarin and tetrahydrocannabivarin are are being currently researched for their blood sugar modulation, um, insulin resistance, and appetite suppression. It turns out that THCV, unlike regular THC, which is a, you know, gives you the munchies. THCV is an appetite suppressant. And THCV, it turns out, increases your body's 
Uh, in the initial data that's coming out that's beyond anecdotal now is in clinical studies, they're finding out that THCV increases the body's own sensitivity to the insulin it produces and um, can also modulate blood sugar to lower it. So in people that are borderline type 2 diabetics, it can actually bring them into the healthy area where they're no longer borderline. And, you know, obviously we're in the middle of a, a, a diabetes epidemic in the United States, Mexico, and other parts of the world. And so things like this are very significant. So we, the answer to your question is we pay a lot of attention to all of the minor cannabinoids, and we're going to be looking at both um, hemp cigarettes that will be able to uh, um, um, have some of these minor cannabinoids in them, as well as uh, nutraceuticals and supplements that will be able to have them. And, and we're going to also be doing a lot of, you know, just um, good work with not-for-profits to look for advancing the uh, uh, information that's available to everybody uh, for what cannabinoids are good for what in the human body. Yeah, there's, you know, there's always the people out there that go, well, there's not enough research, and there's been quite a, quite a bit of research, actually. Um, are you, and I've always thought, you know, when, you know, when we first started our business 12 years ago, um, everybody was, of course, into just the highest you could get, the highest level of THC ever. <laughs> and I always wondered why we didn't, why we didn't potentiate the CBD and then all the other cannabinoids that later started popping up for different things. That was my thought. Why aren't we potentiating all of the plant instead of just one, one part of it? Um, what are your thoughts? So, <laughs> um, <laughs> there. Okay, there is a very a Transylvanian laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that before. I, my, the other day, you know, my son, my son put his hands together and was tapping his fingers together as he was contemplating what he was going to do. Um, and so the, exactly. you know, that's, so this is both a problem and an opportunity at the same time. And we navigate the issues that are the challenge and we look at the opportunity. And that opportunity is that the prohibition of cannabis and hemp on an international basis, going back to the 20s and up until the last, you know, decade, have literally kept the plant out of research for so much time. And, uh, the, and the other part of it is it turns out that the plant is just an absolute treasure trove of um, therapeutic active ingredients that have all sorts of effects on the, on the human body and, on, and as well in, has enormous amounts of veterinary um, application as well. It's not just for humans. It also has animal agriculture applications for veterinary for large animals as well. And so there is you know, and that's an area that people tend to sort of not tend to avoid a little bit, but the the veterinary for pets and the veterinary for animal agriculture are huge in terms of the opportunities they present as well. And so what we have been doing is we've been looking at the challenges around around research and we've been looking for the paths that we can find that are completely compliant to work with research organizations and to help develop research organizations that will be able to um, create the data, find the data and collect the data that can then allow um, us and other businesses to make decisions about what we can do to bring things to the market that will have real value to, to the, the different market segments that are interested in it. So the short answer is, 
the lack of research actually presents for an entrepreneur an incredible amount of opportunity because now you can start going in and just researching all of these hundreds of minor cannabinoids and breeding the plant to express them and looking for the right breeders and the right soil and the right nutrients and the right environment and then collecting the data and then getting the data to people so you can see how does it affect their, you know, the different reasons to use it therapeutically, how does it affect gut health and, and how does it affect um, people who have Crohn's disease or people who have irritable bowel syndrome or diverticulitis, how does it affect people who have seizure disorders, how does it work with pain, how does it work with sleep, how does it work with PTSD, um, how does it work to, you know, reduce uh, dependence on opioids with pain, et cetera. There's so many, so many areas that it presents opportunity that we actually find the lack of research over the last decades um, presents this incredible, you know, just this in incredible moment in time where you not only can do things that are economically beyond what you would ever expect, you actually can be involved in something that's significant on a societal basis in reducing harm and improving people's quality of life. So the short answer is, yes, there's been a lack of research and it's been very hard to do research. Fortunately, that's changing now and has been changing with the Farm Bill and more over the last few years. And now you're starting to really see a lot more research being done and a lot, uh, many more opportunities present themselves to get research done to find what these different cannabinoids, cannabinoid combinations and cannabinoid and terpene combinations can do from a therapeutic perspective, as well as, of course, all the research into things about hemp, like hemp to appeal to the, you know, $500 billion, $700 billion paper industry, hemp to uh, appeal to the, you know, trillion-dollar fiber industry, um, hemp to be used, you know, for so many, in, in so many other um, areas that, that it, it can be used in and the opportunity to do research there. So really it presents an incredible moment in time where if you find the right partners and you find the right path, you can conduct research that will make a big difference to the world and present you with you know, businesses that you can get involved in that are fun, that make a difference, and are incredibly economically rewarding. And what do you, what do you see missing in, our, in everything, in, in the economy, retail, medicine? <clears throat> what do you see that's going to benefit everybody the most oh okay so let's <laughs> that's a big question mm -hmm. and um i would say that let's sort of let's let me give you a couple of answers and i'll try to keep them succinct as succinct as i can so first off the big opportunity the big opportunity really is in hemp and hemp for paper, hemp for fiber, and hemp for plastics. Mm -hmm. So there's, um, mm -hmm. and, and, and why? Because those three industries together are a multi-trillion dollar global industry. And if you were to start to grow hemp to replace, let's just pick one, one category, plastic bottles for drinking water. If you were to replace right. globally all plastic bottles for drinking water with hemp-based plastics, the result would be so ground-shaking. What do I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, 
you take a currently carbon um, positive industry that's putting all sorts of pollutants into the system. I mean, we all know about the garbage patch in the Pacific Ocean that's the size of the state of Texas, and it's just this giant patch of, of plastic in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. We all know about that. Oh, um, I apologize for pinging my phone. To make it uh, so we all know about that. We all know about the plastic in the microplastics in the shellfish. We all know about um, I'm trying to make that stop. Oh, no, <laughs> um, we all know about plastic straws and the issues that people talk about plastic straws. And we all remember, you know, going back to, the, all of the different you know, pollution in rivers and throughout the country and, and, you know, and, and plastic bags and how plastic, one, can take 100 years to decay. And when it does decay, it doesn't actually turn into anything. It just, it, it's so slow to get back to being actually soil that it, 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 it just ends up being this pollutant for hundreds of years. Next, when plastics do decay, they release compounds like benzene and toluene and many other things that we're, we know are horrible endocrine disruptors and toxins and destroy the water supply and, and cause, you know, cause all sorts of consequences in our bodies and in, and in the entire you know, sort of ecosystem, in the, in the entire food and water supply. So now if we replace, and, and, then, and then along the way, we're actually making them out of hydrocarbon fossil fuels. We're taking oil in the earth, pulling it out, turning it into plastics, and then releasing all this carbon into the atmosphere and above the ground that now is affecting, if you believe in anthropogenic global warming, it's, it's doing that. But even if you don't believe in that, you're still just creating all this stuff that's this, yeah. this toxic stuff all over the world that's bad for humanity. It's not good for us. It doesn't improve our quality of life. It reduces our quality of life. It reduces our lifespan, it increases negative health outcomes, it increases suffering, it's just bad. So now if you were to replace that with hemp, hemp mm -hmm. is one of the most carbon negative potential crops on earth. It's better than trees, it's better than, um, than any other plant. It, it, it causes fewer um, issues with meaning in the, in, you know, when you uh, use um, trees, for example, for paper, uh, I don't know if you've ever been around a paper plant. I never have. I have friends who have grown up not far from paper plants, and they always used to say it was a joke that anybody that lived in the town that had a paper mill, you could smell them before they entered the room, and it's not because they smelled good. That right. the effluent and the runoff from paper plants are horribly toxic, and they are just terribly damaging. And so... You know, and it's just, and it, it's a blight on the on the on the earth wherever they exist. If you replace that with hemp, the processing becomes so much less harm, and it also is potentially the largest carbon negative industry in the world because instead of taking carbon out of the soil and bringing it above the ground, what you do now is you take carbon out of the air, put it into the plant, harvest the plant make the plastic with the carbon in the plant that's been taken out of the air. That plastic then can be dialed in when it's made out of hemp to biodegrade in a month or a year or, or three years. And when it biodegrades, it actually turns into positive nutrients for the soil. 
so you can create landfill that's a positive. And when you put it in landfill now, now it, it's you can actually look to put it in landfill on purpose because what you're essentially doing is you're essentially um, taking carbon out of the air and putting it back in the soil, creating a carbon negative industry where you're removing carbon from the atmosphere, scrubbing it, and putting it back into the ground, and that carbon in the soil ends up being good for the plants that we're growing. And so it potentially represents this enormous, enormously beneficial industry, and that's carbon for plastics. Think about the average U.S. consumer uses something like 700 pounds of paper per year. Think about that. 700 pounds per year. If we were to replace that instead of using, you know, wood pulp-based plastic with hemp-based plastic, again, we would not only stop cutting down all the trees, we would now be farming hemp that presents this incredible opportunity to pull carbon out of the air and segregate it back into the soil, making it also, again, a carbon negative industry that can improve the quality of life on, of humans across the planet. Same thing for fiber. Much less damaging, uses less water than cotton. For example, there are so many reasons to use uh, hemp for fiber. And so I see those three industries as the biggest positive effect as they get developed and the biggest opportunities for enormous you know, societal benefit on a global basis. Then when you start to look at hemp, cannabis, and the narrative shift that it does for everything from people who use cannabis in, instead of alcohol for recreational purposes, the, I, I, I mean, I can go into the list of positives from the Journal of the American Medical Association saying that regulated markets that have a medical and adult use cannabis have 24% fewer prescription painkiller overdose deaths. That's from a study from 2014. Um, you yeah. can look at the fact that there are less violent crimes, that when people go to sports events, the number of arrests are, don't go down by 2%. They go around by 25% if they have access to cannabis rather than alcohol at those events. You can look at the change in the, in the drug discovery narrative about using cannabis as a source for um, drug discovery and how the changes that can, that can be made for seizure disorders, for, as I said, for a, a, um, um, uh, gastrointestinal issues, for uh, pain management, the opioid epidemic. There's nothing more effective. It turns out that, that, get this, not only is cannabis not a gateway drug, it's actually an exit drug. It's an exit drug. Yeah. It's, it's an effective way to reduce dependence on opioids. And so the, the yeah. effects that this have, has are just manifold across so many different areas in quality of life. And, you know, it's, I know how it can get a little, you get, you know, the, the evangelists who say, oh, the plant is going to save us and it's the best. I get it that it can sometimes come, come across as sort of, you know, it, it comes across as, as uh, fantastical Focus. and yeah, no, yeah exactly. and uh and and that being said it, it, there's reasons for it though there are really inc when the data is there this isn't again this is based upon hard science and data everything i said plastics henry ford said that 
bioplastics made from plants are more effective for most of the parts in an automobile than steel. Now, I know a lot of people believe he made a car out of weed. He didn't. He did, however, develop <laughs> bioplastics. Yeah, I know. It's all over the Internet. It's a common, common, common thing. If, if, if you really look at what ha- actually happened, he did use hemp as part of a formula for a bioplastic that he said was more effective and a better um, source, you know, uh, a better um, a source material for making cars than steel was. And so this is all data-driven. I mean, the stuff about paper, data-driven. The stuff about, about fiber, data-driven. None of, this is all based upon hard science and real data that's out there. Then again, that, that Journal of the American Medical Association study, that's a real study. 23.8% fewer pain, prescription painkiller overdose deaths. That's not a small yeah. number. No, that's and so, huge. Yeah, and so there are so many ways that it can improve that the, you know, that the implementation of the different areas where, where you can get, you know, get industries that can make a big difference, whether it's plastics or whether it's uh, for, you know, adult use to, instead of alcohol for recreational use, whether it's therapeutic use for medical marijuana just to, as nutraceuticals and supplements or whether it's actually into, you know, FDA-approved um, drugs that will make a difference in quality of life that are, you know, around pain management, seizure disorders, and more. So there, and this is, and, you know, people like to think, oh, they say, they say to me all the time, oh, are, is the whole cannabis industry over? Is that that whole, it hasn't even started yet. <laughs> that's the yeah. thing that's also, <laughs> just, yeah. We're, yeah. We're still in the pregame show because of federal law. Until yeah. federal law no gets, um, integrated with state law and catches up to where the American people are, we haven't even started yet. It's still in the pregame show. All right. Who's your football team, pregamer? <laughs> okay. So I grew up in New York City, and uh, uh, my one of my best friend's dads used he on his deathbed, he blamed Bill Parcells and the New York Giants for his death. And uh, I have been a Giants fan and a Jets fan as well for many, many years. More a Giants fan than a Jets fan. And uh, uh, still, I still, you know, now, of course, here in Vegas, the Raiders are here, and so, you know, I support Sorry the Sorry about that. Team. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, uh, but being a let me tell you, being a Jets fan, I think, is one of the most painful things. They've had more perfect seasons where they have lost just enough to avoid the playoffs completely, and they've won just enough to avoid all draft picks. So perfect. No draft picks, no playoffs. Yay. Just keep practicing. <laughs> Yay. Oh, yeah, well, really, it's really, you know, like even the, the NFL, the NFL and cannabis is, a, again, another one. You know, just look at look at the look at uh, here's another area. Yeah. Traumatic Absolutely. brain injury. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad there's a lot, there's so much awareness around it now, and players are like, come on, don't you know, pill us out, pimp out the pills for them. But hopefully, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's little bit, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. You know, it's. Yeah. It's uh, it, 
the thing is we all expect change to happen really fast and it's really you know it takes it takes time and it's it's hard and and you know we just have to you have to have a level of patience to to you know be there and to continue to push and to to continue to continue to try to do what you can to add your you know your shoulder to the to the plow to sort of keep it going and and lean into it and it takes time but eventually you know eventually we'll see We'll, we'll, we see when, the changes. When do you think the eventually is going to happen? Five, ten, twenty years? What do you think? When when is when's the one eighty happening? <laughs> okay, my one of my mentors and friends, who I wouldn't be in the cannabis industry without his help. He was the co-founder of the Nevada Cannabis Industry Association with me. Joe Bresney is a brilliant political strategist. As a matter of fact, he's he's such a February 22nd is Joe Bresney Day in the state of Nevada from now to eternity. And he has always said to me, you can count on a politician to do the right thing once you've removed every other choice. And so we have to be in the business of removing choices. Mm -hmm. And we are slowly and so when do I think it? So I, I, I think we are within three years. And uh, that is going to be five years later than it should have been. Um, it should have been done by 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. is when it sort of made sense. The, the Trump presidency was, was a sort of a, it changed that. That was an unexpected sort of policy shift no, that nobody anticipated. Uh, you know, people looked at, you know, what Mitt Romney or some other or Chris Christie or Marco Rubio, you know, as a potential candidate, what would, uh, you know, how would policy look from someone like that? And then they looked at a Democrat, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, what would policy look from somebody like that? And there was a clear map on how things might get to, a descheduling and 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 regulating cannabis like alcohol and tobacco on a national basis by 2020. <clears throat> then the additional disruption was the pandemic. It just it was mm-hmm. a, you know a, a hundred year flood from a, the perspective of governing, and it really changed policy um, priorities in such a global way that things like cannabis policy just fell to the wayside because it they didn't rise to the to the level of immediacy to be dealt with. Now that being said, with so much of the country currently, I mean nearly half the country having adult use and and that about to increase, you know, we're probably going to see over the next few years the states I think we're going to start seeing looking at adult use are Pennsylvania, Florida, Ohio, um, that are going to be three big ones. I think you're going to see Texas eventually go to medical, a real medical program. And those shifts are going to make it increasingly difficult for Congress and, the, and any administration, whatever side of the aisle they're on, to be able to avoid this. And so we saw the action from Health and Human Services and the recommendation to reschedule to three, Although that is a half step, it is a very positive mm-hmm. half step. 
and mm-hmm. uh, it moved the conversation along. And so I, I think it's a pretty, you know, if you were a gambler and you wanted to put some money, you know, go into the saloon and bet on when it's going to happen, I think you'd be a pretty safe bet that within three years, you know, by 2026, you will see this regular either um, rescheduled to three, at getting rid of so many of the issues that make it difficult, getting rid of the 280E tax exposure, getting rid of the issues around finance, getting rid of the issues around being publicly traded on a national exchange because Schedule 3 falls off of the uh, Schedule 1 and 2 issues that affect so many mm-hmm. things because now it's just you know, it's, it's a much lighter and more gentle and more sensible way to, to approach it. Or even more, more, you know, even better, which I hope for and think is perhaps might take, an, you know, another year or two, um, is to see it end up uh, descheduled and regulated like alcohol and tobacco. So I think it's coming. Now, that being said, I tend to try to do what I can to manage my expectations and be cautiously right. optimistic. I would prefer to be surprised on the upside than on the downside. And so we could see something happen within the next few months and within the next year that would be a game changer. Right. And are you involved in growing hemp or and or cannabis yourself? Is that something that you No, no we 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 um we take we we stay away from THC because of the issues surrounding the public company indoor harvest INQD and are looking for a path to be uplisted on a national exchange. We avoid the um, the uh, issues around that by avoiding anything that is um, that falls on the side of federal regulation that it would be considered mm-hmm. illegal. So we avoid that. And um, from a growing perspective, although we have a lot of experience and in our network and in our and and, and in the various enterprises we're involved in, we certainly could be um, growing. I see the farming aspect of this uh, being something that we're going to likely contract out rather than be involved in directly. It's a tough business farming. And um, I'd rather have it, you know, I'd rather work with partners who are experts at farming. That's all they've ever done than think I'm going to be able to get into that and somehow do well with it. And then, you know, we'll let them, they, they will do the farming aspect of it. We'll work on our hemp cigarettes, our nutraceuticals and supplements, and the various products and, and services that we have that are going to go into that area. I happen to really love, you know, I know cigarette is a, is a very controversial word. I happen to think that the hemp cigarette industry is an amazingly wonderful place to be. I actually was smoking one last night. I really love them personally, and I think it is um, it, it provides so much value in so many ways that we're going to be focusing on that. And so that keeps us away from any of the regulated aspects, and it just has us working with farmers that produce the quality um, product based upon the, the, um, uh, st- the, the, the SOPs, the, the, the processes that we want to see it produced mm-hmm. by, and sort of the way, you know, a wine shipper will work with vineyards we will be working with, you know, certain high-quality producers of hemp for our products. Awesome. That's, I'm, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I feel like we could talk for, like, another 10 hours. 
<laughs> I would love, I really want to learn more about, you know, one, I want to talk to you just, you know, I'd love to talk offline, but I really yeah. love what you're doing. I think educational um, content is so important and what you're doing is so critical. And so if there's ever any way I can help, introduce you to oh. anyone, do anything to be of assistance, just ask. And I am, because I think that <clears throat> doing good work and helping people in the industry who you support what they're doing, and if they sometimes help me, that's what, that's really what, you know, helps make things go and, and it's what gives yeah. me, you know, sort of gives me joy in my life. And so anything I can do to help, please ask. Well, thank you, and the same for you, and I hope to meet you someday. And uh, it's okay to support your, your local college football team, you know. <laughs> I will. I, I do. I do. I do. And I want to, and I want to hear more about your uh, – uh, what, what are you listed on IMDb under? Uh, that bit of secret information in an email. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, please, please. I'd love to. I'd love to learn more. Yeah. Especially again. I will. Again, because the company that I'm involved, that I'm chairman of, we're in that space. So I'd love to talk to you about it from that perspective. Please. That is well, Buit Technologies and Buit Entertainment. There you go. Okay. And uh, IndoorHarvest.com is your your other site, right? Yeah. You have a Facebook, Instagram. What, what uh, else, where else can our listeners store? find you? Okay. Right now, uh, so the best place to find me is uh, find me Leslie Boxcore on Twitter, Leslie Boxcore on Instagram. I haven't done that much on IG yet. We just are getting ready to start um, rolling out our social media strategy. It's still, you know, it's still we're, we're very, we're very. I'm a big <laughs> believer in measure twice, cut once. Slow and steady wins the race. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. And patience is power. Yeah. Not to throw a bunch of cliches at you. It's very important though. And so our look at the Leslie Boxcore um, Twitter, look at the Indoor Harvest LinkedIn and Twitter, and then uh, you'll see my IG and then the other ones. There's probably going to be a TikTok channel. We're currently looking at deploying a television show called Inked, I-N-Q-D, as, we, as in we get the deal inked, which is, you know, think of it like um, the prophet Marcus Lemonis, except our focus is going to be on the challenges and the drama and the the difficulty and the and the victories surrounding companies that are making the transition from the private to the public markets or getting acquired mm. and non-industry specific it's what where my area is and so we're going to be working on this television show with Viewit Technologies. I just engaged Jonathan Sanger, who is the chief content officer of Viewit. Jonathan is the you know producer of the producers with Mel Brooks and at at Cruz Wagner where he was president Paula Wagner and Tom Cruise's production company he created Mission Impossible with them he he produced Vanilla Sky he produced The Elephant Man he's an <laughs> Academy Award winner and so we're going to be working on this unscripted um, television series and that's going to also be something that will have its own Instagram and its own its own social media presence there's a lot that's about to happen and. Uh, you know, pay attention. Watch this space because there's going to be some fun stuff going on. Awesome! I can't wait. That sounds really exciting, and maybe we'll see you in the movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know who knows? Who I'll knows? I'll see you, you on might. set. You <laughs> and uh, if you have Back any to one. Vegas, if, if you're out here for any of the trade shows, please let me know. If you need, um, if you need to use a podcast studio, we have a podcast studio that's really high end, 
And if you need to work out of anywhere, if you're here in Vegas for the MJ Business Daily or anything, just let me know and we'll set it up for you. That would be amazing. Thank you so much, Leslie. I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on air and, and enlightening our listeners. And I hope to meet you someday and keep rocking. Thank you. You got it. And have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. You too. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, folks. Uh, that just got us to the end of our show. Leslie Boscor, Boscor, Bushkar, <laughs> something like that. Um, can you hear the radio? No. Hold a moment. All right. Now we can hit. But I don't have to hear myself anymore. I don't know if you can hear me anymore. Barely, kind of, somewhat. Well, thanks for tuning in to Weekday Wednesday, everybody. We really appreciate it. Check out Leslie's information and learn some things. As always, be smart, be safe, and educate. And we'll see you. Have a bomb hit. Under three days, just soaking in. Just keep breathing. We love it. We love you. Happy Weekday Wednesday, folks. Thanks for Check out the website, www.sellcenter.com, for more information about more guests coming up and how to get certified. How you can be certifiable. Sellcenter.com. Happy Wednesday, Wednesday, folks.